Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Manpreet and welcome to the Through the Noise podcast. Now, we crossed an incredible amount of distance this week in financial markets, uh, starting with the UBS acquisition of Credit Suisse last weekend, uh, which quickly moved to major central banks largely continuing on their rate hiking cycle in the second half of the week. Now, how did we go all the way from popular worries of a financial crisis all the way to yet more rate hikes? Um, to help answer that question and, and understand more, more about last week's events, uh, I'm joined by Abhilash Narayan, who's a senior investment strategist in the CIO office. So welcome, Ablash. And uh, look, let's start right off with a message from central banks. It was a major week with the Fed, the Bank of England and the Swiss National Bank all hiking rates, with the Fed, of course, really setting the tone. What do you see as the key takeaways from the Fed policy meeting? Thank you, Manpreet. Well, it's interesting, uh, you know, when you look at the divergence between uh, what the Fed guided us to and, and the market reaction after that. So let's start from the Fed. The message from the Fed this week, as it, as it raised its benchmark rate to a 15-year high of 5%, was very, very clear. Uh, while the two recent bank failures have led to tightening of financial conditions, the central bank remains focused on bringing inflation down, which is still running above 5%. Uh, and, you know, the Fed expects the inflation to fall back towards the 2% target only by 2025. So U.S. Fed uh, Chair Powell stuck to his message of remaining focused on, on, on curbing inflation despite the banking sector turmoil and the Fed does not forecast any rate cuts this year. Now, on the other hand, uh, markets are saying that the rate cuts are coming. Markets have priced in nearly 75 basis point of rate cuts and they interpreted Fed Chair Powell's message from a, from a dovish perspective. Now, on our end, we are uh, we side closer with the markets, especially after the recent stress in smaller uh, U.S. banks, which are likely to lead to tightening of lending conditions. Uh, and even though liquidity uh, crunch appears to have dissipated from now, we think that at the margin, it increases the risk of a recession. Uh, if we turn our attention to our U.S. recession indicators, you know, except for market based indicators such as equity prices and credit spreads, most of the indicators are uh, pointing towards an increased risk of recession this year. Uh, in fact, our, our quantitative model gives this gives it around 90 percent probability of recession in the next six months. So when you put all of that together, it suggests that equities and high yield credit are likely to remain under pressure and they could be underpricing recession risk. So that's why we we would prefer to continue to rebalance out of equities, especially in the U.S., into high-grade bonds uh, with a preference for, for Asian dollar bonds. Thanks, Abhilash. Um, so against that context, do you see further downside uh, in U.S. government bond deals uh, after, after uh, you know, the last Fed meeting? Well, when we, when we look at the Fed uh, in its, uh, in its uh, uh, economic projections, it left uh, the 2023 forecast unchanged at 5.125%. But when you think about the, the statement itself, uh, the press release, uh, the Fed did drop the phrase uh, which said ongoing in, uh, increase in interest rates. Uh, and it replaced it by saying some additional policy firming may be needed. Now, markets interpret, interpreted that as a dovish signal and money markets have already started to price in a, a rate cut as soon as July this year. And what that led to was that two-year uh, U.S. Treasury yields uh, fell a lot more than the 10-year Treasury yields. 
Now, if you focus our attention to the 10-year yields, the decline was relatively small at around 10 basis points. Uh, but we continue to think that the risks continue to, uh, to be tilted towards downside. So first of all, uh, if you look at the volatility of, of U.S. Treasuries, that remains elevated as uh, you know we've seen uh, turbulence in the financial sector. Uh, and we've seen uh, lending conditions uh, are going to be uh, probably uh, less favorable going forward as regional banks focus on capital preservation. So all of that, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, leads to increased risk of recession. Uh, so we think that uh, there is a risk of a further decline in 10-year U.S. Treasury yields, though from a technical perspective, we see 3.4% uh, as, as, as a key support. Uh, so against this backdrop, uh, we would use any increase in yields or any bounce in yields as an opportunity uh, to add to high-quality income assets uh, and, you know, our preference, of course, is Asian dollar bonds there. Okay, so thanks for that, Abhilash. Now, let's start balance that with what we've witnessed uh, in the past week or so in the banking sector. I mean, we've gone all the way from what looked like uh, more significant worries last weekend uh, to, of course, more sort of support from liquidity um, and confidence-boosting measures uh, from the regulators. So against that backdrop, do you see the outlook for the financial sector in the US and Europe starting to stabilize after these measures? Thanks, Manpreet. No, it, it, it indeed seems like a long time back when uh, we saw the announcement of Credit Suisse and UBS merger, uh, but it was just last weekend when, when all of that happened. Uh, and that obviously led to uh, a greater scrutiny of European banking sector from, from investors' perspective. Uh, the key sticking point there, of course, was that Swiss regulators decided to write down 16 billion Swiss franc worth of additional tier one bonds uh, or bonds known as COCOs. And this was the largest such write down uh, in the relatively short history of the asset class. And that triggered a sharp knee jerk reaction in the markets. Now, over the past few days, we have seen authorities from multiple jurisdictions, including ECB, Bank of England, uh, Monetary Authority of Singapore, and Hong Kong Monetary Authority. And they've all publicly stated that they would respect the hierarchy of the capital uh, structure, indicating that unlike Swiss National Bank, they are unlikely to you know, impose losses on, uh, on bondholders before asking equity holders to, to take the losses first. Now, these statements um, midweek boosted market sentiment, and we have seen additional tier one uh, bond prices partially recover over the past few trading sessions. Now, arguably, investors will demand an additional risk premium for, for holding these uh, risky bonds, uh, and credit spreads are unlikely to return to, to the levels that we saw in early March. Uh, that being said, if we focus our attention to uh, credit spreads for the senior unsecured bonds uh, from, from European banks, that uh, you know, indicates that you know markets are are not fearing a full blown banking crisis as credit spreads remain largely unchanged. So overall, we think that it's a, it's a, it's a good opportunity to add selective exposure to some high quality you know subordinated financial debt. Uh, now, if we shift our attention to equities, now uh, we continue to see opportunities in U.S. mega large cap financials. Uh, you know, relative to regional banks, uh, these banks, uh, the larger banks have stronger liquidity profiles, much less exposure to unrealized losses on high quality uh, liquid assets. Uh, and many of them have significant retail deposits, which tend to be sticky. Uh, and in fact, they're likely to grab more market share on the back of turmoil that we've seen recently. So, you know, we think that there is opportunity to add exposure to U.S. mega cap financial sector. Uh, as far as European uh, bank stocks are concerned, we think that, you know, they could face difficulties in raising capital in the near term, which could dent, uh, you know, uh, 
the the outlook for these banks so you know we could see the volatility volatility for european banking sector stocks being fairly high so uh, investors could actually use uh, this high volatility uh, to 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 generate income by using derivative strategies Okay, so finally, let's link this back to currency markets. So a lot of focus on Switzerland. We've obviously had the stress you just described in the Swiss banking sector. But we also have what looks like a still pretty hawkish Swiss Swiss National Bank. So in your view, pulling those together, do you still see the Swiss franc as an attractive funding currency? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that I've been asked multiple times this week. Uh, if you look at the volatility for, for dollar Swiss franc, that has spiked in the last two weeks. Uh following the banking sector stress. But if we zoom into the central bank actions, while the Fed chose to hike rates by 25 basis points, you know, reducing the hike expected a couple of weeks back because of the banking sector stress, the Swiss National Bank stuck to the expected 50 basis point rate hike, uh, despite arguably facing greater domestic banking sector scrutiny. Now, in contrast to Fed Chair Powell, Swiss National Bank President Jordan stuck a relatively hawkish tone and guided towards further rate hikes, as well as indicating that Swiss National Bank would be willing to sell FX reserves to support the Swiss franc if if necessary. Now, given this backdrop, we see the risk that uh, Swiss franc could strengthen further in in the coming few weeks. So we see 0.9040 as being a key support for, for dollar Swiss franc. Uh, that being said, if, if we do hit those levels, uh, it could uh, prove to be a good opportunity to, to enter Swiss franc as, as a funding currency because we, we think that while the currency could be range bound, uh, it's unlikely, unlikely to strengthen materially from here on. Uh, tactically, we also think that dollar yen looks oversold right now uh, and the risk reward would, would uh, favor entering a sort of a funding trade in, in yen if the pair falls below 130, though we would want to keep a tight stop loss at, at around 128.4. Uh, that all being said, uh, I think it's important to note that FX markets are no longer trending the, uh, the way they were in 2022. And, and when we pair that with a three and 12 month bearish view on the dollar, it implies that it's going to be increasingly challenging to find attractive funding currencies because, you know, the gains from lower borrowing costs could be offset by, you know, by the currency strength uh, in, in, the, in the funding currency. So uh, for investors looking uh, for opportunities in, in this space, implementing tight stop losses and maintaining discipline will be key to implementing uh, their, their views in a profitable manner. Thanks, Abhilash, for that for that very detailed discussion. Um, I've got, we'll uh, bring the, obviously the, the Q&A to an end here, but I think there were a lot of uh, actionable investment takeaways in today's podcast. Now, from my point of view, I took away three you know, really key ones. The first one is that, of course, that we believe recession risks remain high, so we continue to rebalance away from equities towards high-quality bonds. Second, of course, we treat the financial sector exposure with some caution, uh, though having said that, you know, the opportunities most probably lie in taking advantage of the volatility in the sector equities and the pullback in the subordinated debt asset class. And finally, as Abhilash just described, uh, it may pay to be careful and disciplined, particularly when it comes to stop losses, uh, when we're dealing with funding currency opportunities, whether that's the Swiss franc or some of the opportunities in yen that Abhilash spoke about. So thank you, Abhilash, uh, you know, for taking the time to join us today. Um, and thank you, listeners, of course, for taking the time to listen in. Uh, we hope you found the content uh, interesting and useful. Uh, and we look forward to speaking with you again next week. 
Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.